Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, my kings and queens of the jungle, to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson. And today we're taking a little trip. Around the division. Division. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Let's start with the Bears. I'm going to be honest here. I think the Bears coaching staff will be lucky to make it to the end of the year without a reactionary change on one side of the ball or the other to a coordinator. Before the year, I said they were showing signs of patricianing the hell out of this thing by not putting their players in spots to do the things that they do well and instead focusing on the right solution while ignoring the capabilities of their players. They swapped out seemingly the entire team over the last two years, and not all of the players they got rid of between 2021 and now were bad players. Example one is Chase Claypool's low-light blocking video that's been circling the internet, which, chances are, if you're listening to a football podcast, you've seen that all over Twitter. He can't block. He knows he can't block. Why do you keep asking him to block? Like, he just can't. He's physically not capable, not good at it, not willing. You're just asking to lose by continuing to put him in that spot. Actually, you know what? Please keep asking him to block. It's hilarious, and we all want the Bears to keep being terrible, right? So their technique of bringing in scheme fits rather than working with the talent they had showed up against the Packers all over the field. They were able to hang with the Packers for about a half, and then the talent differential was just too much. Like, the first thing, the Bears receivers just suck. In 2021, the Bears receivers were Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and Damier Bird. After turning over the room since taking over, the new Bears regime have collected DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool. The talent isn't better and the results have not changed. In week one, the Bears completed more passes to running backs than wide receivers by an 11-8 margin. And that, my friends, tells you everything you need to know about their offense in one single stat. Broken, badly designed, talentless. Was Fields awful, or was it his receivers? Yes, 
If you haven't watched the JTO Sullivan QB school on Justin Fields that came out this week and you've got an hour and you'd like some lols, you should probably go do that. Here are some quotes. I can't even tell you what play they called there. Did anyone watch Philadelphia last year? There are so many better ways to run a QB sneak than this. If I can't watch the film 20 times and figure out what they're trying to do here. Details and nuance. It just doesn't exist in this offense. You can almost hear the DB laughing, thinking the receiver's going to run by him to the corner. But the anticipation is okay. I mean, we're just searching for anything good. And that's all in the first 20 minutes of a one-hour video. That's all in the first half, when the Bears were still being relatively competitive in the game. I really like Fields coming out, but all three years of his career have featured incompetent boops and bad players around him, particularly the offensive line in the receiver room. The coaching staff haven't seemed to be much better. Uh, I don't think he's going to get an uncontested fourth run at this starting job unless something changes drastically and immediately. And as for Fields rushing, they're doing it wrong. When the QB runs, it needs to matter. He ran the ball nine times and got two first downs. That's 22% of the time. On the year last year, he got 65 first downs on 160 carries as the only dangerous weapon they had. That's a first down on 40.6% of his rushing attempts, and that's a really good number. In week one, Fields was running to gain yards, not to make plays, because there was no other option. Like one of Sullivan's remarks above was related to a third down, where rather than do a QB sneak, the geniuses in charge of the Bears offense motioned the tight end in to take the snap on a QB sneak. So Fields was just standing there doing nothing. Their best player in a situation they need to succeed doesn't get the ball. Fields didn't hit any of my QB metrics that I covered earlier this week, throwing the ball. Uh, and he averaged about the same yards per carry as Jameer Gibbs. Rough week for him and the team. So far in 2023, the Bears suck. So how about the Packers? Well, Jordan Love may have written a script for a play called The Tale of Two Halves. Something people need to remember is that Love is still only 24 years old. He's younger than Hendon Hooker, Lions rookie, third-string quarterback. In the first half of this game, in the first season that he's been the, uncon the unquestioned starter in Green Bay, Love completed about 44% of his passes for 81 yards on 16 attempts. But that's why we play two halves. In the second half, Love completed 72% of his passes for 164 yards and two touchdown passes. That's 14.9 yards per attempt, rather than the 5.1 he had in the first half. So Love started slow, and he picked it up, as did the Green Bay receiving core. And given that they don't have a significant pass catcher on the roster with more than 18 games under their belt in the NFL... And it's Love's second start in the league. None of that is surprising. It's one game, but I don't like how much I like the Green Bay offense in general. And how about that defense? Well, Lucas Van Ness, the guy I mocked to the Lions the day of the draft, got a sack. Their 28th overall pick from 2021, Devontae Wyatt, got one and a half sacks. 
having two first round picks from the last two years be effective pass rushers for the Packers doesn't sit well with me. And you shouldn't be a fan of it either. On the plus side for Lions fans, the three leading tacklers for the Packers defense were defensive backs, and that's not good unless you're in some kind of pass-fest shootout. The Bears ran the ball 29 times and completed 24 passes. Nothing about the Bears offense was good enough to really test anything about the Packers defense, so I don't really have a good assessment for you in terms of the Packers D. It's easy to look really good against a bad offense, and they did the Packers still probably have a good defense. I mean, the test will come in four to six weeks when that's how much tape the league has on what Joe Barry's doing with this particular personnel group because historically he's shown basically no ability to adjust. He's a knockout puncher, not a counter puncher, to mix my sports metaphors. Uh, The Packers beat the Bears, but the Bears suck. So we'll see what the Packers really have under the hood over the next few weeks. You can pick up your FTP shirts at DetroitLionsPodcast.com slash shop. The link to the store is below. Find those and many other great products at our online store. And that brings us to the Vikings. Users. All that luck in close games last year went missing in week one. They definitely missed Dalvin Cook on offense. They couldn't run the ball against the Bucks, and admittedly, that's a pretty damn good defensive front to be running at. But they failed. If you were hoping this was the year that your terrible draft take, that Justin Jefferson being... If this... If you were hoping this was the year that your terrible draft take, that Justin Jefferson was just a product of Joe Burrow at a LSU, was going to... If you were hoping this was the year that your terrible draft take, that Justin Jefferson was a product of Joe Burrow at LSU, was finally going to bear out, well, he was the entire offense for the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Like, you can look at Kirk Cousins' stat line, his 344 yards with two TDs and an interception, and it looks pretty good. But Sunday was absolutely the Justin Jefferson show. He had nine catches on 12 targets for 150 yards. Sadly, rookie Jordan Addison had a decent first game, too, with 61 yards on four catches and a touchdown. The only one of the big three receivers in Minnesota who didn't have a 50% success rate or higher was the highest-paid tight end in the league, TJ Hawkinson, who had eight catches for a whopping 35 yards. Money well spent. Please spend more that way, Minnesota. It's okay, Vikings fans. Someday, he'll live up to his draft spot. I mean contract. The Vikings offense also had a bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde game with three turnovers in the first half. The Vikings offense also had a bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde game with three turnovers in the first half. If the Bucks had anything resembling a good QB, they would have run away with this game early. For those of you who don't think the Lions should be thanking their lucky stars every day that Sean McVay decided he couldn't design an offense that Jared Goff could run, go watch the Vikings-Bucks game. Baker Mayfield is playing some of the most awful quarterback you'll ever see in Week 1. The Vikings defense has a heck of a pass rush, 
And that made Mayfield's life a little less than fun. The defense and special teams units overall were sloppy and just kept letting the Bucks back into the game. Before Mayfield's first TD pass, the Vikings jumped offside on a third and seven, creating a third and two that the Bucks converted, negating their best defensive asset, their pass rush, and they paid the price for it. They forced a field goal in the third quarter, but lined up offside. Three plays later, they gave up another passing TD to Mayfield, fell behind 17 to 10. Given that they lost the game 17 to 20, those two plays lost them the game. And yeah, it's an accumulation of the 70 plays on both sides of the ball every week, but only four to six of those plays actually determine the outcome of a game. And this year, the Vikings are not going to come out on the good side of every single one of those plays in every single game like they seemed to last season. So there's your trip around the division. Oh yeah, Lions win! And they're currently seated at second in the North because the Packers tiebreakers are in order after pounding the Bears. Have a great day. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.